Well, good morning. I'm so glad to be with you. You know, yesterday I was here um, all day long for a lot of hours, and we were doing a wedding for a guy who interned with us, Paul, and one of the grandparents came up to me afterwards, and he said, you know this is a really special place, don't you? And he wasn't talking about the building because he went on to explain how moved he was as he watched team members, because it was a team of us, helping Paul, our former intern and now new worship pastor up in uh, Billings, Montana, at a church plant up there, helping him begin one of the most important steps of his life after following Jesus, right? Getting married. And he was just so moved by that. And it was a fun time to just acknowledge. And I just want to start by telling you, you're a pretty special group of people. And we're pretty blessed to get to be together. To to get to call this Evergreen Community our home. And it's great to pause for a moment and just reflect on that, that we get to do that. He just, he probably told me three times during the event. And it wasn't because he forgot the first ones. He just kept coming back to that. You really are special. Well, I get to talk about group in our trellis to grow our lives up in Christ and not have fruit spilling all over the ground that's getting slugs in it. Okay, you weren't ready for slugs yet, were you? Getting slugs in it, getting squished by people's boots walking by unknowingly and stepping on the plants. And, uh, you know, those half-buried pole beans that you pull out and they've already turned gray or white. I used to pick beans, so I know about those. Um, You know, that's not too pretty. That's not the kind of fruitfulness that we want in our lives, the kind of abundance that Jesus promised us. And that's what I get to talk about today. But because I'm going to talk about groups, I'm not really going to talk about the structure of groups. I'm going to talk about belonging, about connection, because that's what makes groups so helpful, so valuable in us growing forward. And I want you to take a look at my favorite new small group. That's right. Last Monday... Those are my three granddaughters, for those of you who are new here. My three granddaughters. And I have to tell you that after two hours in the pool with them playing motorboat, motorboat, go so slow, I got sore. I got sore, this former swimmer. I really, I didn't confess that to too many people before now. So just appreciate the disclosure. But it really is fun to spend time and influence them. But I have good news this morning. And I want you to see our whole time together. I hope it'll come across as an invitation to you. Something that'll inspire you and move you forward. That'll pull you towards some new things that God has for you. Because the good news this morning was at the top of your e-blast this last week. It was the subject line. It said, you belong. And when it came out, I got a text immediately from this woman I've been meeting with, a friend, every couple weeks. And she said, just got the e-blast. Love, L-O-V-E, capitalized. Love the subject line. What a good reminder, she said. You belong. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. I want you to think for just a minute about a time in your life, could be recent, could be further back, where you felt like you were really connected with someone or a group of someone's, where you felt like, I really belong, I really fit, this is, this is good. I'd like you to think about that for a moment. And now if you'd turn and find somebody around you, would you share with them what that time was, what that group was, and what made you feel like you fit, like you belonged? Let's turn and share for just a minute. Stretch yourselves. 
Thank you so much for doing that. Author Leonard Sweet, a really wonderful author, if you want to read any great books, said it well when he said this. He said, your true belongings are not your possessions. They are your relationships. Your true belongings are not your possessions. They are your relationships. And our plan to grow, which we call the Evergreen Way, has this piece to it called group. And group is all about relationships, about connecting with each other in a deeper way. And the big idea today is that you and I were made for connection or relationship because we grow better together. We grow better together. And we need to be connected to others in meaningful ways if we want to experience that full, that abundant life that Jesus promised and he talked about and he encouraged us toward. We say it this way. We want to be a community where everybody has somebody who knows their story and their name and who they could call at three in the morning. Isn't that a whole nother level, the three in the morning thing? Yeah. We can't have 20 of those, right? Our phones would be ringing off the hook, but we can have someone. That everyone would have someone who knows their story and their name and that they could call at three in the morning if they needed to. Because we were made for connection. Connection with God and connection with each other. From the very beginning, God made us for relationship. Right there in the opening first couple chapters of the Bible, it talks about God creating this man, looking out, not seeing a corresponding part, and saying it's not good for the man to be alone, and he brings a woman. But before he did that, he said these words, Let us make man in our own image. And the big idea, the Imago Dei in us, is that we were designed for relationship. Relationship with God and relationship with each other. It was part of what Adam and Eve experienced when God finished creating them. And in fact, Adam and Eve were so connected that in Genesis 3, verse 8, it says that they heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Do you know what God sounds like? Have you ever heard him in your life in the cool of the day? I think back to this moment for them, and I think they recognized God's presence. They heard his sound. And I think about recognizing people in my life that are close enough that I know their sound. The sound of my spouse coming in the door. I know what that sounds like for Jared, especially if he's on his motorcycle. I have a friend whose husband came in, and he wore a suit to work. So every day when he'd come home, he'd come in the door, and then he'd take off his suit jacket, and he'd throw it over a dining chair. And she'd hear the rustle of that fabric over the back of the chair. He's here. He's here. I think about maybe it's a sibling that you're close enough to that you know the sound of them returning home from college. I'm four years apart from my brother who spoke last week here, Joe. And so he went to college four years out, and I got four years of him returning home. And here was his sound. It was the sound of the cookie jar 
being lifted because he made a bee line for the cookie jar. And it was this bird's nest ceramic cookie jar that you really couldn't sneak like you always tried to as a kid, right? I could always hear him. And if there was nothing in the cookie jar, which was rare, then it was the cupboard doors and the refrigerator. That was the sound of my brother coming home. And I like to think about what Adam and Eve experienced with God that they could say they heard the Lord God come down and walk in the garden. They heard his sound. They knew what he sounded like. Doesn't that make you want to be near him and hear him and know him that way? Well, Jesus expressed this same need for connection in his early life and ministry when after, well, scholars differ on it, but about 18 months, when after only about 18 months of public ministry, by this time he had reached a lot of different people, some of whom were disciples, some were roadies or groupies, whatever term you want to use for them. They were following him around, but they hadn't really decided to follow him. But out of those who had, he had this collection, this motley crew. And one night he goes up on a mountain to pray and he comes down the next morning and he picks 12 of them to be his small group, the group of men that he was going to do life with, that he was going to minister with, share ministry with, that he's going to sleep with, eat with, talk with, walk with, travel with. And the early church was no different. The early church in Jerusalem demonstrated the same need for connection. Jared covered it well when on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem was swelled with thousands of pilgrims from all over the place who'd come to celebrate quite possibly, first of all, the Passover and then stayed the 50 days for Pentecost, maybe a once in a lifetime trip. But they were there and Peter stands up and gives this amazing sermon and some of them decide to follow Jesus and they follow what had been true from the very beginning of God's story is that they understood that they need to be connected. And so it didn't stop in the temple courts. They quickly moved from house to house, helping each other, feeding each other, supporting each other. Paul continued this when he was planting churches. And he recounts in a summary kind of thing as he was leaving the church at Ephesus that he had not failed to teach them Not just publicly in the big crowd, but house to house as well. He understood that in a large group, something can happen. And if we get smaller, something else can happen. And we need both kinds of connection. And that brings us to just a little review I'd like to do with you. uh, That came from the work of a man named Joseph Myers, a sociologist and a Christ follower. A couple years ago, he's at George Fox University, and we got to take our team there to hear him speak out of this book. It's called The Search for Belonging. And this book builds on research that began in the 1960s with a guy named Edward Hall, who studied the space that people need, the personal space people need in order to connect, and the different ways we connect, depending on where we're at, the kind of group that we're in. And he continued to develop this, and here's the four spaces that he identified, and they're all portrayed so well in Scripture and in our life as a community of faith. So I wanted to review them with you today briefly. And the first one, well, the four of them is the public space, the social space, the private space, and the intimate space. And the public space is all about sharing a common experience in a public space, preferably a large space. And it's a lot like what Duck fans did yesterday in the Palouse. Now, this happens to be at Oregon. But they were all there for one reason, for the Ducks. 
to cheer them on. But I prefer this picture of a public space. Come on, OSU people. I'm giving you your props today. That's right. That's, now, those are some true fans there, right? Well, that's the public space. And in the Bible, this is where Luke tells us in the book of Acts, Acts 2, verses 42 through 47, it tells they met in the temple courts. And this was not just then, but even prior to the day of Pentecost that was happening. The temple courts, the area they were in, allowed men and women, slave and free. It was a public area where anyone could come and hear the truth about Jesus Christ. And they gathered there in large crowds. It was a very public space that you could come into. It could have been that public space that happened by the Sea of Galilee when the crowds would get so big and Jesus was teaching that they would force him into a boat and he'd have to pull out from shore a little bit and continue the teaching. So what does that look like for us today? Well, if you're a young mom, perhaps you decide, I'm going to take my child to outside in downtown on 1st here in Hillsboro. And when you get there, there's a whole slew of other moms. And yeah, sometimes a dad or two mixed in. And you go there, and because you're sharing this public space and this common experience, it's not ductum that you're, that you're experiencing or beaver town. It's having little kids. And together you have an experience in that public place. So it might be that you head out to the skate park over here. And I met one of the guys who hangs out at our skate park. And he didn't go there knowing a whole bunch of people. He went there because that's a cool place to skate. And while he was doing that public space, a bunch of other guys showed up to skate. And some girls, too. And they got connected. That's what the public's all about. And then there's this social space. Social space is where we get to begin to select a community. People that we want to go deeper with, but it's still a pretty good-sized group. might be 20 to 40 people. It could be a little bit bigger than that because it's all about the purpose of it. Now, in this kind of group... We share a snapshot of ourselves. This is where we make those first impressions. And what do we usually want to make for a first impression? A good one, right? So the conversations that we'd have in that social space are often presenting the best version of ourselves to other people. But biblically, this space is what the New Testament would would term the oikos. The household, it's often translated or house maybe some of you remember in Acts 16 there was this jailer there was an earthquake in his jail and Paul and Silas got freed from their bonds and so did everybody else and he was afraid he'd lost it all and was going to kill himself and Paul comes and shares the gospel and he gets saved and not just him he and his whole household this was the organizing unit in ancient culture that included the slaves the free men The men, the women, the children. And it wasn't just one generation. It was multiple generations. So it wasn't just the blood related by blood. But they were all related by one thing. That they all were together sharing the same space, the household. They worked together to make that work. This is the social space. And God did amazing things in the New Testament through that space. Now, an example of this kind of community at E might be the men's breakfast that's going to happen later this month or that happens monthly. It's the women's night out that's going to happen with campfire stories. You get to invite your girlfriends and you choose to come and you choose whether you're going to, am I going to play volleyball 
Or am I going to pay cornhole? What am I going to do? Am I going to sit here, sit down in the grass with some people and share this? Am I going to have some mores or am I going to do this? You get to choose some of who you get to relate to there. So it could be that kind of space. You decide who you want to connect with. And every week we have this opportunity here at E as well. It's not just an event. It's called the Lobby Hospitality. That's why we do it. You do know it's not about the food. It's about giving a social space, a place that's a little bit smaller than in here. And it's actually okay for you guys to talk because I shut up. And you can actually spend some time talking to each other. That's what that space, that social space is all about. And then there's the personal space that Joel Myers talks about. And this is where we connect through a more private relationship. This personal space, most of us have room for 8 to 15 people like this in our lives, depending on our personalities and how God's wired us. This is a lot like Jesus and the Twelve. And it's described in Mark 3. That's just one of the Gospels that describes for us how Jesus came about this. This was a key space for discipleship to happen in. Discipleship, it's just a fancy word for us learning how to be more like Jesus, how to love like him more, how to follow him better. And this was the space where that happened with Jesus and the Twelve. In fact, Luke tells us a wonderful story in Acts, the the fourth chapter, the 13th verse. You see, Peter and John had this amazing encounter with a guy who was lame and blind, and he, and, uh, excuse me, lame, and they said, um, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And he began walking, and the crowd went crazy, and they wanted to worship Peter and John, and they tore their clothes. Anyway, the whole thing resulted in this amazing uproar, but Peter and John didn't back down. They were courageous. And it was in the middle of this that the crowd, some observers in the crowd, looked at him and said, these were ordinary men, unschooled, but they took note that they had been with Jesus. This discipleship that happened in this group, this personal space with Jesus and 10 of his other best friends is how Peter and John's lives were transformed to do the amazing things that we see unfold in the book of Acts. So this personal space at Evergreen, where is that at? This is in small groups like the Bible studies that are offered. Women growing together that's going to be starting on September 30th. And they're going to be doing Jenny Allen's Restless Study. And you're going to come together. And in that, you're going to listen to somebody's story. You're going to watch a brief DVD that's part of the, introduces the Bible study. And you've got your little workbook. And you're there in a small group. And you get to have most of the time in small group discussion. Sharing your life. How does God's word intersect with my life? How does this story affect my story? And what is my story anyway? That's some of what's coming out in that Bible study. And some of you are going to share devotions together, like Rick Sawchuck's soap group that happens on Friday mornings and that you could be a part of. And some of you are going to be part of the Tuesday morning study that Jared does at 630. That's for men who are trying to grow healthy families while they grow a business. And all of these offer this opportunity for us to grow forward. And then there's the intimate space where we get to share experiences, feelings, and thoughts. Okay, we call it uh, feeling naked but not ashamed. Okay, I I didn't say being naked. I just said feeling naked. That could be weird, okay, unless we're talking about our spouse. But it's that thing where we unmask ourselves fully. 
And we have a confidence that we'll still be accepted. And for Jesus, he had this, and he never apologized that he had three of those 12 that he was closer to, that shared some experiences with him that nobody else got to share. They shared the very most high, the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus took on the glory of God the Father, when he shone, as it were. And they got to be there for that. And then they come down off the mountain for one of, his, one of their less better moments where they couldn't cast the demon out of a little boy who had seizures. And Jesus had to take care of that. So that's a part of that personal space. They were with him in the highlights and the lowlights of his life. And this kind of connection happens in a group kind of like ACOA. That's ACOA, Adult Children of Alcoholics. In our case, it's for women. And when you go there, it won't help you to get unstuck unless you can unmask yourself and talk about the dysfunction that you grew up in and how various responses have gotten you stuck in a certain place in your life. Or Pure Desire, the group that that Carlos, uh, one of the leaders here, wants to to open for guys to become pure in their thought life and in their behavior. But it could just be a sibling or a best friend that meets this in your life. Now, sometimes when we hear about these spaces, we think, okay, uh, that would be great. And we think of it like the movies, love at first sight. We don't get to the intimate space at first sight, do we? So there's a guy that Jared's been meeting with for a year, and he was just up in Seattle to meet with him this last week. And after 12 months, he shared his story. The fact that he had 12 siblings and all of them were halves by eight different men that his mother was married to, plus some that she never married. And the only believers in his family were him, And one of his sisters who came to faith in Christ at his church. But see, he didn't meet Jared for coffee one day and dump that whole load. Because he was in the social space. He was in a different place. He was letting that safety be created. So in all of these spaces, what am I really trying to say? Have you ever tried on a one-size-fits-all and it didn't fit you? (laughs) I've had that experience. It's like, oh, that makes me feel pretty big when I do that too, by the way, because I've never had the, the oversized experience. I've always had the undersized experience for that. But there's not one space for all moments and all times in our lives. We need all of these spaces. All of them help us connect. All of them are part of God's work in making us more like him. And so I want to encourage you today. We're going to talk about connecting in different ways. We're better when we're connected, as we said. And why is that? Because we're stretched, we're sharpened, and we're supported. So when I talk about being stretched and sharpened and supported, I want you to think across the four spaces, but particularly the personal and the intimate, because most of us need to go further. So let's talk about what it means to be stretched to love more. It's true. I picked Elastigirl. I like her. She's part of the Incredibles. I've always liked her. She can stretch her limbs every which way um, across things. Now, in her case, it's to save lives. Um, And in our case, we're talking about stretching so that we can love more people. Jesus did this. I'd like to have been there when he called Matthew the tax collector. 
what was the group saying? What were Jesus' followers saying when he said, come, follow me to this tax collector guy? It wasn't pretty, and it probably wasn't nice because they didn't really love him. They would never have connected with Matthew if it hadn't been for Jesus. But that's what happens when Jesus gets involved in our connecting. You see, without the group experience, I'm pretty sure that the disciples would never have stopped for the little children whose parents were bringing them to Jesus to be blessed. And without Jesus, I don't think that this little group of 12 would have ever stopped for the woman at the well. In fact, they told Jesus that. They told him he shouldn't have stopped for her. And without Jesus, I don't think they would have stopped for the woman with the bleeding problem. After all, that's unclean. And Jesus was a busy man. Most of us would like to handpick our groups. And they'd be filled with people who look a lot like us. That's the human nature. That's the way it goes. But connecting with others in a group stretches us to love more. We all came from different places. We had different work assignments and life stories. Two were single. Two were going through divorce. The other five were married. Some had kids at home. Others were empty nested. And some people had, some of us had no kids at all. We worked at Nike, we worked at Intel, OHSU, Evergreen, LA Fitness. One was a homeschool mom. And one, a couple of them worked at the Veterans Hospital. Our education was all over the map. We were a ragtag group that without Jesus, I don't think we ever would have gotten together. We may not have ever met, but we got together to share our devotions in a soap group. And we got so much more. We got to love, to be bigger than our preferences or our backgrounds. And we got to engage in each other's neediness and uniqueness and our stories. We got to love more. We grew. That's what groups, that's what connecting in a more intimate way will do. So we also are sharpened in a group to be more effective. Sharpened. Not a word we always think of unless you think of sharpening a pencil. That's a great image too. But sharpening a knife, I like to go there because scripture uses that metaphor. And you remember it from Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, where it says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Great pithy saying like Proverbs is great for and wisdom. But take a look at this picture. How many of you have tried to cut a tomato with a dull knife? Yeah. That is not fun. There's not too many cooks out there this morning, I've got to say. But if you ever have, it's a really untidy experience. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about we are sharpened in connecting with each other so that we can be more effective in helping one another, loving one another, being Jesus to each other and to the world around us. Now, this... You'll notice in this picture, to be sharpened, a knife has to touch the whetstone or the tool, whatever kind of tool, because there's a lot of them out there now that you can sharpen with. But you have to be connected. You have to touch in order for that sharpening to happen. And it's the same way with us, and it was the same way with Jesus. You'll remember that Jesus and the Twelve had a lot of these learning experiences together. And yes, it was mostly these disciples that were learning. In Matthew 9, he tells this really fun story, and it's of an argument they had a lot. But they were on their way to Capernaum, and Jesus uh, heard them. He didn't say anything, but he heard them arguing about who was greatest. So then when they got to Capernaum and they got in the house, 
He turns to him and says, what were you arguing about the, on the road on the way here? Okay, I call this one of those questions that you don't want to be asked. <laughs> right? When your parents call you on the carpet and they ask you the question you were hoping they didn't about your homework. Or when your friend, you're telling them your story and your friend who really loves you asks you the question you didn't want to hear. Like the one I got to ask my friend last week, what are you afraid of? In making a decision. Or maybe, like the counselor you're telling, you're just praying, Lord, don't let him ask me this. It's that kind of a question that he asked the disciples. And, of course, they had to admit to him that they were arguing about who was greatest. So he took a little child, he set him, he stood him in their midst and said, Unless you become like a little child, you'll not enter the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, whoever's least in the kingdom of heaven will be greatest. That's what groups do. They sharpen us. They make us more effective. So, FPU, here's a a whole jar of cut-up credit cards from one of these sessions. October 7th, a new group is starting. It's going to go for nine weeks. And the thing about this group is, this is a group of people that together say, you know what, we need to sharpen the way we manage our finances so that we can live out God's generosity better in our lives. And so some people, they risk it all, and they sign up. And they go to it, and in it, they're sitting around a table, different groups of them. And in that, they're all sharing their struggles and their victories. And they discover, that person's really good at that. That one's good at that. This one's bad at this. Oh, I'm bad at that one, too. As they share their stories, they discover that each of them has tools that the other could use. And they're all learning from what they hear on the videos there. And then there comes this point where they have to write down on a piece of paper how much they're indebted. And depending on the size of the group, it can go into hundreds of thousands of dollars. One of our groups here was $250,000. That's a quarter of a million dollars in debt. And then they do something even scarier. They take their credit cards and they cut them up and put them in a jar like this. It means that they're not going to be able to access that like they have. Sharpened. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It's an awesome opportunity. And you know, this sharpening happens in other ways. Sometimes um, we forget that when we do something like uh, the women's Bible studies that are going on, like women growing together, you know, there's 17 small group leaders who are being trained in that. They're learning how to lead and love other women whose stories are different than their own. That's A personal state. That's being sharpened to be more effective. Then we get to the third benefit that I want to mention is we're supported to finish well. That's right. We're supported to finish well when we choose to connect with each other. The most popular metaphor in the New Testament for the church is a body. And you don't have to have anatomy and physiology to figure out that a dismembered body is a dead body. That a hand detached from the body can't grow, that is thrown in a bio-waste area, handled specially, that the amazing abundant life that Jesus has promised us is available for us, and we'll experience it, and we'll finish well together. There's 59, depends on how you count, 59 one another's in the New Testament 
There's encourage one another, pray for one another, build up one another, bear with one another, be patient with one another, admonish one another, be kind and compassionate to one another, serve one another, be devoted to one another, and love one another. There's in there a whole bunch of times. And I don't know about you, but to me, that sounds a lot like being supported. It sounds a lot like caring for each other. Care. The verb means to be interested and concerned about the matter, to attach importance to someone. You matter. Your story matters. Your struggles matter. Your joys, your message, your successes, all of it matters. And when I care for you, that's what I'm telling you with my actions. It sounds a lot like the verb for care as well. I mean, the noun for for care, which means to provide what is necessary for another person's benefit. That sounds a whole lot like Jesus' favorite question. What do you want me to do for you? And that happens in connection with other people. That's how Jesus cares for us, is together. So... One of our life groups that Dennis Minter leads, and I I think he's here, Dennis and Lynn, lead it, and it's at the Van Luz house. And and this past year in their group, two of the people in their group were going to Cambodia, and they needed to experience some more financial support. So they put together a garage sale, and they gave $400 to each of them toward their money to go on this trip to Cambodia, where they made a huge difference in God's big world. But that wasn't all. They raised $1,000 for the church plant that Grant and Marta Crichton are working on in Walla Walla. And there's other groups that meet where that support is being given. You see, my soap group, amongst us, we had breast cancer, chemo, recovery. Another woman had her mom die prematurely. Another had health issues and discovered that she had celiacs. Another struggled with panic attacks. Another person moved out of state as a young person needing a new job. Another struggled with kids in the aftermath of divorce and its consequences. Another struggled with their ex-spouse who wasn't always pretty. And another struggled with being overworked at work and wanting their job to hire more people, wanting their boss And some of us struggled feeling unappreciated at work. And we got to do the one another's. You see, some of us had successes too. One of them got a promotion at work. Another got a six-month clear cancer report. Another got a new roommate. And if you've ever been single, you know that's just as important as a new spouse, right? (laughs) Yeah, that matters to get a great one. Another got a new job and another got a new car. There's a little saying, if at first you don't succeed, you'll have a lot more friends. Sometimes we think that the only thing that matters is our brokenness. But all of us have some good things that aren't broken, that's been restored. And God wants us to celebrate those too. So I want to encourage you, a group isn't just about spilling your guts the worst, your worst day is also about knowing there's somebody who would think it was really cool that your best day just happened and that high moment. We're all supported when we're connected so we can use, so we can finish our race. And I chose this picture uh, to kind of typify this one of supporting and caring for one another. Okay, that's me in my hiking boots. Well, it's my feet. 
Because I used to hike with just my track shoes, and um, I like that because they're really lightweight, and they're so unrestricted, you know. They don't bind your ankles up and everything. But I was in a car accident, and my brake foot kind of got messed up. And over time, if you add a backpack of any kind to your back, and then you start getting on all these rocky, uneven trails, oh, man, I did some really bad ankle turns, and I learned to appreciate the support of a boot. Just some good hiking boots. So a couple years ago, I bought these, and I've put a ton of miles. And I can go 12 and a half miles with 40 pounds on my back over seven watersheds. I can still do that. And I wouldn't be able to do that if I wasn't willing to put the boots on. Because they were a little bit, required a little something of me. And that's a lot like choosing to be connected It's there to support us. That group, that person that loves us and hears our story. So what if we recognized and lived out the truth that Leonard Sweet mentioned? That our true belongings are not our possessions, but they're our relationships. What if those became the most important thing, our relationship with God and with each other? What would our city government, our school district leaders And our social service leaders in the community of Hillsboro and beyond be saying, Wow, that evergreen community welcomes everyone and values and respects people, whatever their story. You should check out how they help each other thrive and how they care for people in the larger community. Look at how they love each other. Look at how they love kids and students, the marginalized, the newcomer. I wonder what that's about. We grow better together. We need each other. And I felt like what the Lord wants you to know today is that we love you. We need you. We're better with you. And together, we can grow up together into everything that Jesus has for us. That's our invitation as we go into next week with the group fair. It's not about the structure. It's about connection. It's about relationship. I want to invite you to relationship.